Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. What we're doing, in case you don't know, is we're finishing a study of the book of the Bible, and the book is called Acts. So if you're in the New Testament, it's, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the next book is Acts, okay? And what we did here at Dayspring is we've actually gone through the entire book, and we actually covered every single verse in the book, and um, we put them online if you wanted to go to our website you could listen to our podcasts. Uh, they're on Spotify as well and Pandora, I believe. And, and you could actually go. So if you, were, if you were saying, gee, you know, I wonder what you know, Acts chapter 10, verse 5 means or something, you could actually go to our podcast and actually go back and find the section that we covered every verse in the book of Acts. And it would be kind of an interesting study. So it's a good study. Um, uh, I tried to make it very practical, and yet we, we dug into it and got some, deep, uh, some depth to it. But today is, is the last day on this, and then next week we start the series on parenting. And um, I know, I know, some of you are saying, well, I don't have kids, or my kids are grown. Well, listen, the series that we're going to start on next week is a three-week series, and it, it's for everybody. It's for, it's for if you've had kids, okay, if, if, if you've got little kids, you've got bigger kids in the house, uh, if your kids are out of the house, if you're grandparenting, uh, maybe you're foster parenting or, or adopting parenting, whatever you're doing, if you're involved with children in any way, I think it's just really going to be helpful. Um, I just, I try to make it such a very practical uh, thing. We're going to talk about some stuff uh, in the series that um, nowadays is really controversial. It's not controversial, but nowadays it's really controversial. So we're going to cover some stuff that um, uh, I think you're going to find really, really good, and really fascinating, and extremely helpful. So that'll start next week. But let's finish this. So if you've got your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, we're in the book of Acts. And we're actually in Acts chapter 28. So if you notice, that's the very last chapter. And last week we left off at verse 15, so we're going to pick up at verse 16 today. But let me help you out here and just kind of give you an idea of what's going on with the story. So the main character, do you remember this? Help me out from last couple weeks. Right now, right, the guy named Paul, the main character in our story. And Paul was going to Rome so he comes from Israel, comes from Jerusalem, and he's going all the way up to Italy, all the way up to Rome by boat uh, because he's a prisoner, uh, because they're, they're trying him because he would, everywhere he went, he would tell people about Jesus. And everywhere he went, they told people about Jesus, people got upset, and there would be riots, would break out in fights, and, you know, Paul, what are you doing? And so, so they're taking him to Rome because he's a Roman citizen, so this whole chapter has really been about the boat ride. <laughs> and, and he had a really interesting boat ride. As you remember, we talked about this last week or two. Uh, along the way, just bad storms. Paul told the captain, you shouldn't go. This is the worst time of year to go. I'm telling you, don't take this boat ride. And they go, well, we're going to take the boat ride anyways. And they go, and the, and the ship basically gets shipwrecked and uh, kind of wrecks on the shore there. And as you remember from last week, when we just we looked at this, they get off the boat and the people, the land there, the people where they're at, they don't really know them, but the people are very nice to them, and, and they're trying to survive because it's wintertime, it's cold, and Paul's out there, 
and he's helping build a fire. There's about 270 people on the boat, and Paul's out there helping try to build a fire, and a snake bites him along the way, and it's kind of a documentation of what happens there. I think it's interesting that Paul, now think, Paul's the most important man on the boat. Paul is the guy, the reason that the boat's going where it's going, really. He's the guy. He's the most important thing. He's, he's the prisoner of the day, and he's out there rolling up his sleeves, and he's helping build a fire, you know. <laughs> That's what leadership is. Leadership is service. Have you ever do something and, and you get involved with something like that and you say, well, I'm too good for that. I'm too good to help. And guys, listen, as Christians, we're never too good to roll up our sleeves and serve, okay? We just aren't. And Paul used this as an opportunity to, to help and to serve. And, and I was kind of thinking about that going the other day, saying, well, this is not really fair that Paul shipwrecked and it had nothing to do with him. If, if the people would have done the right thing and listened to Paul, they would have never wrecked the boat and been shipwrecked. You know, I was thinking about sometimes, church, sometimes we suffer because of the wrong decisions of other people, don't we? Yeah, and if, and if I were to hear an amen right now, there'd be a lot of amen. Other people make bad decisions, and, and we got to suffer for it. Well, that's kind of what happened to Paul. It's like, this isn't my fault. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong, but there they are. They're, they're crashed, and they're beached, and, and they're going through this. So pick up your Bible. We're going to pick up here at verse 16 is where we left off. And so uh, this is where the story is, and they, they started walking, they started, you know, hiking up towards Rome. They landed kind of in the bottom there, and they're starting to walk up. And here we go in verse 16. I'll read a bunch of these passages, and we're going to talk about some of the interesting things Paul did. So follow along. You read it as I read it. Just follow along. And when he came to Rome, the centurion, that's the, the guard over him, delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. So he's got a soldier with him all the time, and every few hours a soldier would change, you know, who's the soldier, who's watching over him. Verse 17, and it came to pass that after three days, now we're going to sit on this for a moment. Would you do me a favor? You got a pen? Do you have a pen? Would you take your pen? Would you underline that, those three words, after three days? Pa Paul's only been here three days, and, and, and already he's getting going here. So just watch. It's kind of interesting. So it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of your fathers, so I haven't done anything wrong, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hand of the Romans. And, and verse 18, Well, when they had examined me, they would have let me go because there was no cause of death of me. So I've already been tried a couple times. There's no reason they should kill me. But here I am, all right? I haven't done anything wrong. Verse 19. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of. And then now look at verse 20. For this cause, do me a favor and underline those three words, for this cause. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you, to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. So Paul's got a plan. He's only been there three days, and he's already saying, okay, listen, I, I, I want to talk to some people. And he calls a bunch of people together. He's only been there three days. It's not like he's been there three months or three years. He's been there three days, and look what he says there in those verses. He says, pretty much, I've got a plan. I, 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 I'm going to do here what I do everywhere, everywhere I go, and that is I am going to share the gospel with these people. I don't know most of these people. These people don't know me. I've never been, you know, to Italy there. I've never been to Rome. I've never been in these areas. But I'm calling a bunch of people together, and I'm going to give them the gospel. Now, think about this just for a moment. This is kind of interesting. What? Let me just ask you guys a question. Don't, don't answer it, but think about it. When, when you're going to give the gospel, you're going to share with someone about Jesus Christ. Now, think. 
What is the hardest part about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? Don't answer it, but think. What is the hardest part? Is it the close? Is it the middle? Is it when you're talking about things in the Bible? What's the hardest part? I'll tell you exactly what the hardest part is. Starting. <laughs> yeah, right. Opening your mouth for the first time and actually taking that first step and actually saying it. Paul's been here only three days and he's already getting ready to open his mouth. He's already getting to, to invite people to, to get together. And he says, look back at verse 20, he says, for this cause. So what's the cause? What's the, what's the reason I'm having the conversation? Look at the end of verse 20. <laughs> he says this. What's the cause? The cause is that for the, underline these three words, hope of Israel. For the hope of Israel. This is, this is the cause. The cause is I'm going to talk about what the hope of Israel is. Now, we got to kind of get this in context because if you're, if you're new with us and you, and you haven't been part of this, you're going to kind of miss this and you're going to say, well, why are we talking about this? Remember this just for a moment because it's so important to get it in context. This half of the Bible hasn't been written yet. Okay? This half of the Bible's been written. So when we talk about the hope of Israel... Remember, there's no Bibles, there's no social media, there's no Facebook, praise God. <laughs> there's, there's no printing press, there's no email. What is he talking about? What is the hope of Israel? Well, if we go back to this part of the Bible, the part that they had, Paul's referring to this part, and he's going to explain what is the hope of Israel. If you have your Bible, you can look. It's all the way back on the left side, the book of Jeremiah. It's not in your verses, but we'll put it up on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 7. This is Jeremiah saying a prayer, prophet Jeremiah Look at verse 7, O Lord, thou our iniquities testify against us. Do thou uh, for thy name's sake, for our backslidings are many, we have sinned against thee. Now look at verse 8, he's going to say what he's talking about. O the hope of Israel. Who's the hope of Israel? Look at the rest of the verse. The Savior thereof in the time of trouble. We've got a sin problem in this nation, and the hope of Israel is a Savior who's going to save us, who's going to pay the sin debt. So, so Paul here is referring back to this time, all the way back in the Old Testament, saying, what's the hope of Israel? Well, the hope of Israel is the Messiah. Okay, now pause, 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 think. Again, it's really easy for us to get this because we're living in the year 2021. We can look over our shoulder and we say, oh yeah, it was Jesus. <laughs> but at the time, at the time, Jesus had died on the cross, was buried three days later, rose again, and then a couple weeks later went to heaven there is no printing pressed. There is no copies of the New Testament. It's being written. This has been like 30 or 40 years since Jesus died. And here Paul is saying what? Do you remember that guy 30 years ago that you hung on the cross? Do you remember that, Do you remember that story? Oh yeah, I remember hearing about that story. My, my dad told me about it. My grandpa told me about it. I was, I was just in kindergarten when that happened. Okay, that guy named Jesus? Okay, do you remember, remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, we heard about him. He raised people from the dead. He healed the sick. Yeah, okay. That guy is the hope of Israel, okay? He is the Messiah. And people had to really kind of get that in their brain going, oh, okay. So you're telling us that the, that the guy that was prophesied in the Old Testament that was going to come save our nation is Jesus. Yeah. And he's going to be the hope of Israel. Yeah. And he's going to save the Jewish people. Yeah. And they hung him on a cross and he died. Yeah. 
Well, we were expecting, you know, in the White House, the big band, we we're expecting, you know, the big horse coming in there, all the soldiers. Yeah, but no, you, you were expecting a military leader, someone to save the nation physically, but the hope of Israel was the Messiah who was coming to save them spiritually. And the story doesn't end with him dying on the cross. The story is that three days later, he rose again. Not only did he rise again, but he also predicted that he would rise again. And when he died on the cross, he paid the sin debt of all mankind. And then he went to heaven. Oh, that's the hope of, hope, hope of Israel. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the guy. And the problem is that you have a sin debt that needs to be paid, and Jesus was the one that paid it. Forget about saving the nation. Forget about a military leader. Forget about a government coup. Forget about all that. The bigger problem is when you die, you will spend an eternity in hell if you have not trusted in the Messiah. And the Messiah was here. <clears throat> And you hung him on a cross. <laughs> so that's the story that he's trying to tell and trying to explain to people. Look at verse 21. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. Verse 22. But we desire to hear of thee what you think. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So he's saying, listen, we want to know what you think about these Christians was a Christian. Christian was, was the name given to these people later on that were followers of Christ, okay? The ones that were known as part of the way. What is the way? Well, when Jesus said, I am the way, okay? So they're kind of wondering, what is it, Paul? What do you think about this? And Paul's going, you want to know what I think? Bingo. All right, here we go. Verse 23, and when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him and to his lodging, and so, so they say, well, listen, we'll all get together next week. Let's all talk about this, right? So they all come into a place where he's at. Look at the rest of this verse. So what do they do at the lodging? To whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning until evening. So they're saying, Paul, we want to know what you think about this guy named Jesus. Now look, guys, look. Remember, they don't have this half of the Bible. We have this half of the Bible. We get it. They have this half of the Bible. So what does it say Paul does? From, from sunrise to sunset, Paul explains to them out of the prophets, okay, out of these different books from the Old Testament, that the Messiah is coming and all the prophecies, all the law of Moses, all these things, that that guy Jesus is the Messiah. And he does it what? What's it say? He does it from morning till evening. He, he's talking about this. And what's it say? He's persuading them of Jesus. Paul is sharing the gospel, and the gospel is about who? It's about Jesus Christ. Now, notice what Paul's not doing. Can, can we just note for a second, just to be fair? Can we just note for a second? Remember, Paul's a prisoner. Things haven't been very fair for Paul, right? I mean, would you agree, right? That, now, can we ask a question? In the United States of America today, are things perfectly fair no, they're not fair, right? I mean, there's just, there's inequality, there's, there's, there's problems, there's racism, there, there's just fairness on all, every side of the scope, the, the left side, the right side, it's just, okay, there's sin in the camp, right? Right, so, so things weren't very fair for Paul either, but notice what he's not talking about. Now just think, what is Paul not talking about? He's not talking about the government, is he? He calls all these people together, come on, hey, come on, we gotta talk. Now, I want to talk to you about red versus blue, R versus D. <laughs> Is he talking about that? No. Is he talking about to mask or not wear a mask? Is that what he's talking about? 
Pastor, they didn't have masks in that day. Well, they probably had COVID. They just didn't know it. <laughs> Back in the, you know, COVID, you know, 067 or something, you know. But they, did, they just got sick like anybody else did. But, but, but this is what he's talking about. And he opens up his mouth to what? Persuade them of what? Vote this way. No. Inequality in the government. No. Racism. No. I'm in prison. No, I'm not being treated fairly. No. What's he talking about? Jesus. This is the most important thing, and this is all, I'm not afraid to tell you about it, but this is, this is what I'm going to do, is I'm going to have a conversation about Jesus. Now, church, let me ask a question. We encourage you very much here at Dayspring to share your faith. And if you've been here for any period of time, you understand how important it is to share your faith. And, and we have out in the back, we have little pamphlets. We call them a track like a gospel track. It's like a little pamphlet, blue ones. We have some different kinds that tell about Jesus. Okay, it's one thing, Steve, if I were to go to you and give you a track and say, here, would you read that? You know, I, I hope he doesn't call me. You know? But it's another thing, it's another thing, church, to maybe give someone a track and to stay there from morning till evening if necessary and persuade you about Jesus. That is opening up your mouth. That is sharing the good news of the gospel. There's nothing wrong with just handing out a track. Boom, boom, we do that all day long. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's a whole other thing to take the time to tell someone about Jesus, right? And church, you, you, you'll never know what it's like literally to lead someone to Christ until what? until you've led someone to Christ. Once you've led someone to Christ, not just handed out a track, there's nothing wrong with that, but you've taken that next step. Paul didn't just go around handing out tracks. There's nothing wrong with that. But he said, I'm going to take the, the time and I'm going to talk to these people about who Jesus is and what he did. And he engaged himself and he talked about the gospel over and over and over again. And you keep going and you keep giving the gospel over and over and over again. Now, let me ask the question again. How many of you, just raise a hand, how many of you have someone, someone in your life that you've been trying to share the good news of Jesus with for a really long time? Oh, man. Okay. All right. So you have someone, are you thinking of that person's name in your mind right now? Sure. And what do you feel like? Every time I talk about it, they're just not listening. Oh, I have, I have people like that, too. Uh, my dad, my dad's been here at church many times. So I, I became a Christian when I was in second grade. Oh, man. How old are you when you're in second grade? Are you seven? Eight, seven, eight. Okay, so I'm 52, so 44, 45 years ago. Okay, at that time, I was aware, oh, my dad's not a Christian. Okay, so fair-ish. Fair 45 years I've been aware that my dad is not a Christian, is not a believer. Well, you know how many times I've shared the gospel with my dad? Like, it feels like a million zillion. I mean, he's been here in church. I've gone over the gospel. I've written my dad letters. I've written him notes. He's come to evangelists. He's heard different things. I've given him gospel tracts. I've given him a Bible. Blah, 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 right? I spent yesterday, I spent a couple hours yesterday going over the gospel literally with my dad again. And he's still not saved, right? He's still, he's just kind of, uh-huh, that's nice. <laughs> but you keep going. Paul kept sharing the gospel, right? Because it's the right thing to do. And it doesn't mean that everyone trusts Christ. It doesn't mean that everyone gets it the first time. But Paul just kept doing it. Why? Now, church, think about this. Because God's burden is for the lost. 
And, and, and don't tell me, don't tell me, you say, well, gee, you know, I, I want to have the heart of Christ. You know, I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to be like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, then you'll be sharing your faith. Because the biggest burden that God has is for the lost people, right? That's the number one burden that Jesus Christ has, is, is for lost people. And, and, and if you want to be like Christ, then you need to share the goodness of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I laugh because our church, we, we don't do everything. We don't, we don't do a lot of things right, I'll, I'll tell you that. We, we do make mistakes pretty much every day here. <laughs> But we try as a church to give the gospel in as many creative ways as we possibly can. We do it over and over and over again. Just, just two weeks ago, we had our winter luminary hike, the Valentine's hike. 500 people were here, and they all got a gospel, a gospel track. A lot of them were witness to. Well, church, why do you keep doing that kind of stuff? Because it's the burden of God that people hear about Jesus Christ, okay? 500 people is better than 499, Amen. Right? I mean, it's better than that, right? When we started this church, and I, I've told you stories about this, but when we started the church, I remember the very, my wife and I and our two kids, two boys, we started the church from, from zero, from scratch, and, and there were some Sundays that there was barely anybody there at church. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest, can I give you an inside secret? Every Sunday morning when I come to church and I walk in the back and I sit in the back there, I'm always amazed. People came back. It's just like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> you're back again. But, but there were some Sundays that was really low. I remember one Sunday in particular, we had a total of eight people come to church, eight people. And I'm always trying to be an optimistic, and I said to my boys who at the time, you know, this was 12 years ago, 11 and a half years ago, you know, we're just, whatever, five, six, seven, eight years old. I said, Cole, Cole, this great? You know, we had a lot of people in church. And he goes, Dad, we had eight. I said, yeah, but son, eight is better than seven. Amen, right? Eight's better than seven. And he goes, Dad, there's four of us, you know, and he, <laughs> it's like, five, six, seven, <laughs> that means there's only four people here today. <laughs> I said, okay, well, four is better than three. I mean, it's better than zero. If we weren't doing this, there would be zero, all right? <laughs> we had a family that visited our church when we first started, and they were, <laughs> they were always like, why does your church do all this stuff? You're such an active church. Why do you do all this stuff? Well, because the burden for, for, burden for our Heavenly Father is that lost people hear about Jesus Christ. So why wouldn't we do things? I mean, why wouldn't we do Luminary Hikes? Why wouldn't we do Harvest Fest? Why wouldn't we do a big Easter event? I mean, why wouldn't we? We're just literally, why wouldn't we do these things? I mean, if, if the goal is the gospel, there's just no reason just not to do it. We could have sat home two weeks ago, the night of the Luminary Hike, and done nothing, and then how many people would have been here at church? Zero. Right? Paul's got the same attitude. It's like, it's not, it's not everything, but it's something. I'm throwing some mud on the wall, and hopefully some of it's going to stick. But, but this is his goal. This is his plan. I want to just do something. I want to teach people uh, about this and how, how important this is. And so uh, uh, let's keep going here in our study. And uh, I'm going to skip on down a few verses here. Back down to verse 24. And some believe the things which were spoken, and some believe not. So Paul tells people about Jesus, and what's the result? The result is some. Is the result all? The result's not all. The result is some. There's, there's some people that listen and believed, and there's some people that believe not. And, and I think about that. Even today, church, we do an event, whatever. We've got Easter coming up in a couple of weeks. Some people will believe, and some people won't. Some people will come back again to church. Some people won't. We have the Luminary Hike. We have the Valentine's Hike. You know, we have the Harvest Fest. Uh, we have the Easter event coming up, Waukesha County Fair this summer. 
Not everyone gets saved, but a lot of people do get saved. Some people come to church. Not everyone comes to church, but we still do it, church. We still get involved. We still roll up our sleeves over and over and over and over again. Why? Because it's the burden of our Heavenly Father that all people would come to Christ. That's, that's His desire. And He tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that doesn't happen once a year at Christmas. It's something we have to do. It's a mindset. And it's not just at church. It's not just at a church event. Church, listen, don't ever just fall back and say, well, the church will do it when the church does it. You know, I'll just be part of it. You, you, on, me, on my own, we need to be sharing our faith all the time. Not just handing out a track, but taking a moment to open up our mouth and to persuade people. We look back in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19, and we talk about how, how in the world Paul was doing it. Paul spent his time and his energy persuading people. I will talk all day long to persuade people for the gospel. Go down and look at verse 25. And, and 28, 25. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, verse 26, saying, Go unto his people and say, Hearing, you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. Verse 27. For the heart of this people is waxed gross. The word gross doesn't mean like disgusting. The word gross there means dull. The heart of the people she's talking to has become dull or has become calloused. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I I should heal them. Verse 28, be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Verse 29, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. The word reasoning is actually the word for dispute. They were having great dispute among themselves. Church, do you ever, do you ever share the gospel with someone? And after you share the gospel, you, you are just emotionally spent. You're just emotionally exhausted. <laughs> and there's disputing, and they leave, and they come back, and they call you. Well, what did Jesus say? What about this? What about that verse? What about this? You know, what about that? Well, don't be discouraged, church. Don't ever be discouraged. Why? Because what, what do you see in these verses? I see spiritual warfare happening, okay? He's saying their hearts, are, their hearts are dull, their eyes are closed, their ears are dull. They don't want to hear. They don't want to see this. They don't want to understand the good news of the gospel. And church, spiritual warfare, listen, don't ever be discouraged. If you're in the battle sharing your faith with someone, giving someone a gospel track, inviting someone to Easter, inviting someone to church, talking to someone one-on-one about Jesus, don't be discouraged if some people get it and some people don't because it's a spiritual battle. It's warfare. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? But it's not easy. It's a battle. It's hard. It's, it's, it's tough. Yesterday, I, uh, I, I was spending time with my dad, like I told you before, and, and before I got to go meet with my dad and talk to him, he's 88 years old, uh, I, I called an old friend of mine, an old friend of mine who's a pastor uh, here in Wisconsin, and I just said, I, I don't know why this is. Now, do you ever have this? Do you ever have this? So help me out, because I don't want to feel like I'm the only guy. I, I am like, I'm like nervous about sharing the gospel again with my dad who's heard it a million times, I feel like. Why am I so nervous? Why, why am I, like, just heavy? I just, meaning this, time out. If I were to go to the hospital, knock on some door, 
hi, you don't know me. I just want to tell you about Jesus. I could do that all day long. I mean, I, my, you know, my eyes closed. It wouldn't, it wouldn't phase me, right? But then you go to a family member. You, you talk to a family member. It's so hard to share the gospel with a family member. Is that just me or is that you too? Raise your hand. Is that hard for a family member? Yeah. And this pastor friend of mine, he, he said, listen, don't, it's okay. He said, it's a spiritual battle. It, if it was easy, if it was easy, then it, it wouldn't be a spiritual battle. But it's hard because you have a burden for this person, because this person's heard it. Look back at those verses. His eyes are dull. His ears are closed. His heart is calloused. I don't want to hear this anymore. I, I'm tired of hearing about the Jesus who died on the cross to pay my sin debt. Can we talk about something else? That's a spiritual battle, right? The devil doesn't want, the devil doesn't want anyone to get saved, especially your family members. <laughs> because you've got the truth, you've got the gospel, you understand it. And the devil wants to do everything they pe- the, that he can to keep these people from hearing about Jesus who died on the cross to pay the sin debt for all mankind. But guys, listen, uh, let me encourage you on this. If, if you've ever struggled with sharing your faith with someone, let me just encourage you on this. Don't, don't get discouraged about the one person. Don't get discouraged about the one person who says, I don't want to hear it. Don't get discouraged about the one person who, click, I'm turning that off, I'm closing my eyes. Don't get discouraged. Why? Why don't you get discouraged? Because, last time I checked, and I could be wrong, I, I'm not exact on these numbers, there's about 7 billion people on the earth that they also need to hear the gospel. So, although it's frustrating, although it hurts, although it's sad that there's one person that turns you off, or two people, there's still seven billion other people on the earth that are, that's someone's dad, it's someone's mom, it's someone's grandma, it's someone's uncle, it's someone's child. They also need to hear the gospel. You hand out a gospel track, you share your faith with someone, you open your mouth, you try to persuade them. Some believe and some don't. Okay, I've got seven billion other people I need to go. I, need, I, I can't stop. Just because one person gets me down doesn't mean I'm going to quit. doesn't mean I'm going to give up. Paul doesn't quit. It doesn't say everywhere Paul went, you know, millions of people came forward. No. Church, there's hundreds of thousands of people dying every day, okay? And, and a saved person, listen, a saved person in southern Wisconsin is just as important as a saved person in the deepest, darkest part of Africa. Amen? Or some foreign mission field. Okay, that's important too. But a saved soul is a saved soul here versus anywhere else in the world. It doesn't matter. Look at verse 30. And Paul dwelt, how long? Two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came into him. Verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. And look at the very end uh, there, the last four words. No man forbidding him. Paul remains faithful. How long does this take? There's two years right here. We're reading the last couple verses, right? The last couple sentences of this entire book, which takes about 30 years to complete. I mean, that's how long the time span was. And just in the last couple sentences, there's two years that are taking place right here. And it's interesting to note, uh, the end of the book is right here, but, but Paul doesn't die here. I don't know, we don't know why Dr. Luke, when he wrote the book, why he stopped. We don't know what happens in the trial. We don't know that. Here's what we do know. Can I give you some encouraging things about Paul that he doesn't quit? Some believed and some disputed and argued and didn't want to hear it anymore. 
What does Paul do? Here's what's interesting. In two years while you're sitting there, did you know that Paul wrote the book of Philippians? The book of Ephesians, that's where, that's where that verse came from. Probably the most popular verse with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wrote that while he's sitting here in prison. He wrote the book of Colossians. He wrote the book of Philemon. He wrote those books never thinking that 2,000 years later churches here in southern Wisconsin would be reading his letters. He didn't know the printing press was coming. He didn't know that. How could he know that? He thought he was just writing a letter to a church and it was over, right? But God used him to settle down in prison to do that. What about the other things that happened? Well, after he's obviously released, we believe Paul goes on another missionary trip. We believe he goes all the way to Spain. Uh, on, his, on that trip, he still has with him all these people. He, he writes a letter to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. Those two, those two letters are written. Timothy is what? What is he? He's a pastor of a new church. Interesting. Where's the church? It's in a town called Ephesus. Where's Ephesus? Basically in Turkey. Now think. Right now he's in Rome. He's in jail. Who's with him? Dr. Luke and this young guy named Timothy. Praise the Lord. And Titus, this guy named Titus. He gets out of jail. He continues his missionary trip. And along the way, he says, hey, Timothy, look, we started a church here in Turkey. Why don't you stay here and pastor it? And he's probably like, me? <laughs> yeah, you. We'll see you later. And he keeps going. <laughs> and then they go by the island of Crete. It was one of the islands he stopped by. And he says, Titus, why don't you stay here on this island here in the Mediterranean, which I tell you, what a place to stay. You know, yeah, I'll take that one. You know, I'll go to Hawaii. You know, why don't you stay here and why don't you pastor this church? Okay, now just think. Paul goes home. What's Timothy and Titus's parents saying? Uh, <clears throat> Where's my boys? Oh, them? Yeah, we left them in, uh, in Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> one's on an island. He's starting a church. Another one's in Ephesus. He's got a little church going. No big deal. Don't worry about it. The church is located next to the biggest temple in all the area, the Temple Diana. We built the church right next door to it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> next time I'll send my kids with you on a missionary trip. You know, <laughs> sounds great. But he does that, so Paul writes those letters. And the whole time we know that, that he's, of course, sharing the gospel. We know Church history has it about a year or two later, he's arrested and probably beheaded. We really don't exactly know what, except that's pretty much the end of it. That's the end of Paul's life. And, and I think it's interesting that no matter where Paul goes, he's always giving the gospel. It's interesting when he does write the letter to that one guy, Pastor Timothy, who's in Turkey, he does say, everyone's forsaken me. All the people I came to and I led to in Rome, all the, all the Jews, all my friends, all the Gentiles, they don't want anything to do with me. I'm literally alone all by myself. Even my good friends have left me. That's how the story ends. It's pretty much everyone's left me, and he says what? Would you bring me a coat because I'm starting to get cold. I'm freezing. <laughs> and that's kind of what we kind of know about how it is, except for the fact that this. We do know that Paul's always sharing the gospel. He never quit. He's never stopping. He's always sharing the gospel. So, church, think of this, and we'll be done. Let's get out of here. Think of this as we close the book of Acts. All right, we're going to look at the band. Okay, here's the book of Acts right here. All right, here's the book of Acts. Can, can you just think about some things that they've done? Here's a two minute review. They start off the book by doing what? Preaching the gospel to everybody they can possibly find. There's a guy, Peter, in the story. He's, he's giving the gospel to everyone. He's giving it to the Jews. Paul's giving it to the Gentiles. A Gentile is someone who's not a Jew. Over and over and over, they are winning the lost. That's all they're doing, is winning the lost. And then what else we see towards the middle of the book? We, we see what? 
we see that, that he's working with these other people, like this young kid named Timothy, this young guy named Titus. And what's he doing? He's discipling them, isn't he? He's, he's teaching them. This is how a church should be. This is what God wanted for us. This is how we should act. Christians, in front of all the unsaved people, this is how a Christian should act and dress and look and talk. We ought to be different. Over and over again, he's discipling the next generation. Isn't that cool? And then what do we see here even towards the very end of the story, the book of Acts? He's sending people into ministry. Timothy, you're going to start a church here. Why don't you go over there? Titus, why don't you go over there? And the list goes on of all the people that he's with. Luke, why don't you do this? Demas, you know, doing this. And all these people that he's with, we could go on and spend a lot of time on it, but he's discipling. People ask, Pastor, what's the goal of, of Dayspring? Well, it's pretty much the exact same goal that we find in the book of Acts. Win the lost, disciple believers, and send people into ministry. That, that's all that they did. Just win the lost, disciple people, and send people to serve. Whether that's here in a local church to serve or going out abroad, going to missionaries or all over across the world, doesn't matter. You're still serving Christ. Win, disciple, send. That pretty much, I kind of look at it when I zoom out on it. That kinda, I kind of see that's the whole theme of the book of Acts. Win the lost, disciple believers, and then send them into the ministry. That's exactly what Paul does. And the coolest thing about it, church, is he never, never quits. Well, pastor, I'm scared. Let me see you raise of hands. How many of you have ever been scared to share your faith? Be honest. Okay, both of my hands are up. Isn't that funny? How many of you have ever been scared to talk about politics? How many of you have ever been scared, now think, to brag about how nice your new car is? You get a new car? Are you like, well, I just just want to tell you this this new car I bought it's just it's the best ever I mean I got I got a really good deal probably the best deal anyone's ever gotten I mean the salesman said just for me it's a special day <laughs> end of the month right and I got this deal and no one else got a deal are you ever scared to talk to your friends or neighbors about your new car no, what are you doing? And I know what you're doing because I see Facebook. Look at this car. I got, you know, that, you know, it's the best car ever, and it gets the best gas mileage, and look at all the cool features. Okay, whatever. Great. Yay. <laughs> but we're scared to share the gospel. So, Pastor, what do I do? What do I do when I'm scared to share the gospel? What do I do when I'm scared to invite someone to church? Well, here's what you do. This is pretty simple. You know what you do? You do it scared. You still do it, but you just do it scared. Well, I'm scared. Okay, great. Just do it. Do it anyways. Do it scared. When we started this church 12 and a half years ago, we, we did a lot of crazy things. We do a lot of crazy things now, but we did a lot of really crazy things because we had nothing else to do except do crazy things. And people would say, aren't you scared of doing that? I am petrified of doing that. But I'm just going to do it anyways, and I'm scared why I'm doing it, but I'm just going to do it. Aren't you scared of starting a church all by yourself, renting a, whole, a hotel conference room, and just you and your wife and your two kids, and you guys have no money and no support, no one's financing this? Aren't you scared? absolutely I'm scared. What are you going to do? I'm just going to do it, and I'm doing it scared. So, Pastor, you didn't look scared the first Sunday. Oh, baby cakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't see my soaked shirt after the service. Yeah, that was just soaked from sweat. Why? Because I was scared. Church, you just do it scared. You hand out the gospel, and you just do it scared. You think Paul, you think he was calm, cool, and collected? Well, tonight I'm spending the night in a dungeon again. I got a Centurion of guards here, and he's chained to me, and he can't get very far. That means everything I do, he's going to see. He's with me when I go to the bathroom. 
and we're in a dungeon and there is no toilet so that means we're laying in this right there's rats there's mice everywhere and now I'm gonna call assembly of people together and I have no clothes to change into I don't smell good I don't have deodorant I didn't get a haircut I, you know, I'm a Jew from Israel <laughs> they're gonna cut my head off pretty soon do you think he was calm cool and collected I don't think so I think Paul just did it scared I think he just did it scared I think he just did it so well I got to do it and he just did it and it was messy and it was it was it was painful it was embarrassing and it was tough and people made fun of him. I mean everywhere he went there was riots he was getting beat up he was probably just a deformed physical beat up old man I mean literally from getting beat up I'm just gonna do it scared I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna hand out the gospel I'm gonna persuade people I'm gonna talk to people about Jesus while I'm scared okay church this week you need to share the gospel with someone okay go do it just go do it but I'm scared great do it scared totally fine just do it scared I've got a co-worker I've been wanting to invite out to church but I'm, I'm afraid I'm afraid that they may say no or laugh at me that's okay just do it do it while you're scared but just do it it's okay pastor I've got a loved one I've got a relative I've got a mom and dad I got a sister brother I've got an aunt uncle I, I need I need to talk to them about Jesus but I'm scared of what they're gonna say great that's excellent just do it scared you can be scared nothing wrong with being scared but just do it while you're scared okay just bottom line is just do it okay <laughs> and some will believe and some won't right Isn't this the coolest thing I love this verse here this is one of the verses that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write was in in jail for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast I'll tell you what Paul was probably scared to write that verse right here because of these three words not of works remember he was writing and the Jewish people would see that and they'd say wait a second we're going to the temple we're giving our sacrifices we've got all the all the Torah we got all the rules we got all the laws we're, we're children of Moses but you're saying it's not of our works are you kidding me yeah that's exactly what I'm saying it's not of your works because you know, no one's gonna be bragging about how they got to heaven the only way you get to heaven is what by believing that when Jesus Christ died on the cross he paid your sin debt let me use my uh, my phone as a great illustration here real quick pretend for a moment that that uh, this hand here is me and you pretend that my phone is all the sin all the bad things we've done here we are here's our sin pretend pretend this hands God God's in heaven watch there's no sin in heaven we know that right because heaven's perfect God's holy and if there was sin in heaven it wouldn't be heaven it'd be hell right God says I love you but I hate the sin God uh, Jesus uh, God's son Jesus told this to a friend of his this verse right here this is actually a part of a conversation in the Bible it says God Jesus said this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that that's me that was Jesus that whoever believes in him whoever believes in what I'm doing here the fact that I'm gonna pay the sin debt for mankind should not perish but they have everlasting life see when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross his death was not just because he was bored was not because he was a martyr not because he's a prophet no he literally was going to pay the mortgage for sin when he died you see the Bible says the cost the wages the mortgage of that sin is separation from God forever in hell that's just what the Bible says it just I didn't say it our church doesn't say it God said it. I believe it God says being baptized won't pay it but pastor I'm gonna go to your church that's nice going to this church is not gonna pay the sin debt it doesn't say going to church pays the sin debt it doesn't a pastor I'm gonna give a million dollars well we can talk about that <laughs> well, 
Unfortunately, the million dollars doesn't pay the sin debt. The sin debt, the cost of the sin is not a million dollars. The cost of the sin is death. Someone has to die, has to pay the mortgage. So, so God said this, I'll send my son Jesus. He'll die on the cross. Now watch, when he dies, he'll pay that sin debt. Was buried, three days later rose again, proving the debt had been paid. And God says, you know what? Because of your belief, I see you through, your, through my son Jesus. Forgiven. Justified is the word the Bible used. Just as if I'd never sinned. You don't pay for it. Your faith is what saves you. I believe that Jesus paid the sin debt when he died on that cross. I'm trusting in what he did, not what I do. See, going to heaven is not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. Putting your faith in what he did, not in what you do. Because what you and I do is nothing. It accounts for nothing. It's only putting your faith. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. Why? Because he did the work so we don't have to. Have you ever trusted in Christ as your Savior? I know sometimes people come and they say, well, I believe I have to get baptized. Listen, being baptized may be nice to do, but nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to be baptized to go to heaven. It doesn't. Well, I got baptized as a baby. That's nice. Nowhere in the Bible does it say babies have to be baptized to go to heaven. It doesn't say it anywhere. It doesn't. If you had to be baptized, listen, if you had to be baptized, that would be a work, right? Right? Not of works. If I had to baptize you to go to heaven, what would that make me? That would make me co-redeemer, right? And what would I say? I'll baptize you after you make a nice donation to our church. I'd be happy to. Be. So I'm part of the plan now. Now, now it's a work, right? Nowhere in the Bible. So don't rely on your baptism. Don't rely on your church membership because if you do, guess what? You're not going to heaven because you're relying on what you've done, not fully trusting what Christ did. All right, I encourage you to think about that and pray about that this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and let's be done. Lord, we're thankful for all you've given to us. Lord, maybe someone today in the quietness of their mind, for the first time today, they understand that salvation is a free gift. Maybe today, I don't know, maybe today. Maybe today in the quietness of someone's mind, they realize that they are a sinner and that they've been relying on themselves to go to heaven. Maybe there's someone here in this room that's relying on the fact that they were baptized as a baby to go. Maybe someone's relying on their church well, I'm part of this church. I'm part of that church. Well, that's nice, but nowhere in the Bible does it say joining a church goes to heaven. Nowhere in the Bible did anyone go to heaven or be saved because they were baptized. It's not there. It's just not there. If we're relying on our goodness, then we're not relying on what Christ did. It's either or. It's either what we did or it's what Jesus did on the cross. Lord, maybe someone today in the quietness of their mind would say a simple prayer like this. God, I realize I'm a sinner. God, I can't pay for it. I can't. I cannot work my way to heaven. But today, I trust in the fact that Jesus Christ paid my sin debt, and that alone, that alone is what I'm relying on to get to heaven, is the fact that Jesus paid my debt. I'm trusting. I'm accepting the fact that he did it. My trust is in what Jesus did, not what I did. Lord, you promise that if someone fully puts their trust in what Christ did on the cross, they are forever part of your family. Would you give them a special blessing, bring them back as we have a, a continued Bible study next week, and let them remember that today's the day they trusted in you as their Savior. Father, thank you for our study of the book of Acts. Thank you for Paul, that he stuck to it. He did it scared. Win, disciple, and sent. We're so thankful for the testimony he gave to us. Help us to remember that and to apply it this week. Give, give people here today, this week, boldness to share their faith 
Give them boldness, even to do it while they're scared. And we pray. Amen. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.